Another scary word seems to be, if you if you look at the mainstream media or talk to people who don't really understand these things, is buy to let. That seems to be a scary word, buy to let. Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So... If you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi everyone, welcome to and yet another edition of the How to Race Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Yeah, Ray, they can't get rid of us, can they? Um, <laughs> anyway, how the devil are you today, hey? Yeah, good, 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 good. We've got a lot of uh, subjects to talk about over the coming months, and uh, we've already covered bridging loans versus more commercial mortgages and why we think that uh, it shouldn't be the scary word that it it was. Um, another scary word seems to be, if you if you look at the mainstream media or talk to people who don't really understand these things, is buy to let. That seems to be a scary word, buy to let. Now, Nigel, you've got buy to let properties. Um, I'm sure they're still, uh, you know, a reasonably good investment. But there'll be people listening to this that have buy to lets that are thinking of selling. And there's others that will be thinking, well, I'm not going to get into it because it's not what it once was. Um, yeah. But- Hey, Ray, I think it's like the world at the moment, isn't it? Um, Some say they are brilliant. Some say they are terrible. Um, Mm. And, you know, both parties will probably never wholly agree on it. I think, as ever, it depends, doesn't it? But I do think uh, that there have been some, you know, seismic changes to the the landlord's portfolio and the way that it it is taxed and all these other things and you got to look at it and say right okay what's gone on well section 24 uh the tax basically on turnover uh rather than on it's it's pretty much the only i can't think of another business apart from probably oil and gas generation but even then they're allowed to deduct their expenses but uh you know it's the only one that I can think of that's taxed on turnover. And for a higher rate taxpayer, that is um, a fundamental, massive change to the way that your income from buy to lets, you know, was taxed and you can have a huge tax bill. And there are, there are scenarios where you could have made a loss and not actually have money, but still have a tax bill on your yep. turnover so you could actually have a buy to let and it could cost you money to have it and you're probably thinking well that's ridiculous how can you have something that in theory works and yet you lose money on it well that's what section 24 tax rules did if you are in a position this only affects um privately owned properties mm-hmm. so you know and and typically that's how people did it in the past or they have inherited a property, um, you know, to a parent or or something, or or maybe two people have got together. They each had a house. They've now got one. They rent it out. And in the past, if you had a, paying a mortgage on there, you could deduct the mortgage interest from the uh, income that you got. Now you can't. Now you get taxed on the income. 
uh, the gross income and yes you get a tax credit as a 20 percent taxpayer etc etc but you are now being taxed on a much higher figure which can mean that all of a sudden people look at this and go hang on i've got this house and i think the vast majority of landlords only own one or maybe two properties yeah uh, in the country it's not like these landlords like the media say you know, they are fat cats swimming around with thousands of properties in their portfolio. You have a couple, maybe one. As I say, two people get together. They each had one. There's a spare one. They rent it out. Um, then one of the their parents dies um, and, and the property, another one comes to them and they've got two then. You'd think that they'd be in a great position. Who knows? They may actually have two extra properties and it's costing them money, at which point they throw up their hands and say, buy to lets are the worst thing ever. What this is outrageous. I can't even sell the properties because I'm going to, you know, have to clear the mortgage, but I've, I've got to then pay, um, you know, capital, capital gains and, and stuff like this. And, and they feel trapped and they say, buy to lets stink. And I get it. Totally get it. Can understand what they're doing, but, but, I would always say to anyone that's looking at things like this, ask the question, what is the time frame that people are judging these particular strategies on? Mm. And what you would typically find is the media judge it on the lifespan of a mayfly, <laughs> which is about 12 hours or something, isn't it? So if it hasn't worked in 12 hours, then the whole thing is should be thrown in down the well and uh, cap the well, bury it and get rid of it. A, a bit like, Ray, do you remember turn of the millennium? They built the Millennium Dome. Mm -hmm. I think it cost about 700 million. The government target and the reason they shut it was because they didn't generate 700 million profit in the first year of operating. <laughs> and they didn't understand, you know, the lifespan of the business, the lifespan of the building, it didn't generate it and they got rid of it because they said, this is rubbish. Now, what sort of nut job idiot? Oh, yeah, Gordon Brown, um, you know, would uh, <laughs> would do uh, something as stupid as that. And they sold it for a pound. And mm -hmm. what is it now? It's an internationally renowned venue, the O2, booked out, all sorts of things. Peter Kay is doing a residency there. They have the end of year tennis sort of championship there. They do everything there. And it is, you know, O2 or whoever owns it must be just still laughing. Anyway, on the basis that the people that tend to um, give an opinion, even though they're not doing it, so it's the man in the pub type opinion, um, ask them, what time frame are you looking at? And they go, oh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, it's rubbish, isn't it? You go, well, okay, I could have a buy to let. And for the first five years, it makes me nothing. In fact, it costs me a thousand pounds a year. However, the next five years, it might make me a thousand pounds a year. And then for the next 10 years, it might make me 2000 pounds a year. And then, you know, for the next 50 years, it is an ever increasing return. Uh, and it is income going forward and forward and forward. Oh, and by the way, did I tell you that the capital value of that property, um, it did cost a hundred thousand but it's now worth 1.2 million. Um, and yes, I don't want to sell it because that's capital gains. But what I've done is I've taken out a massive mortgage, which is tax-free because mortgage, um, a mortgage is tax-free money.
So you could then suddenly take a huge lump sum um, as a mortgage towards the end of it, and you've released a whole load of money from it. So I don't know. I don't know, Ray. I, I always think, um, you know, when people in the government, they're talking at the moment, you need to fix the NHS. All right. Well, here's my 250-year plan. Um, whoa, no, no, no. You've got to fix it in the next 48 hours. Well, you just go, well, that's a nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think that's the same with buy to lets. I think people are looking at it at the wrong time frame. So that's my kind of 30,000 foot view on yeah. that. I, I think you're well, looking at something saying, yes, it might not earn me money. And as a, an income generating asset at the moment, maybe it's appeal. Um, maybe the gloss has come off that and maybe the appeal isn't quite as high, but you still have the ability to provide somewhere for someone to live um, that just ticks all the boxes for them. It provides then a service. It also then um, has an ability for the tenants over time to purchase that house for you. And you can argue the the pros and cons of people buying someone else's house, um, you know, and, and say whether that's morally, ethically, and all the rest of it correct but what you will find is that tenants move and they can't keep buying houses and move every six months or every year or every couple of years it just isn't feasible so they need somewhere to live for a few years or Mm -hmm. 18 months or something like that so you're providing a service if you didn't if there wasn't that need for it people wouldn't provide the service so there's a need there's an ability yes you can generate an income but long term you are making it as an investment and this investment look at it 10 plus years and look at the returns on that to see whether you think buy to lets are good for you but that's just my two penneth worth um well i was uh, having a conversation uh, very recently with uh, a guy he has 15 properties and uh, he he was exploring options, 15 buy-to-let properties, fed up with it, not making any money anymore. And I said, well, what, what do you mean you're not making any money? He said, well, my tax bill is now £18,000 a year higher than it was, than it used to be. So that's £18,000 that I'm having to hand over to the government. And his reaction to that was across the 15 properties, he raised rents by 100 quid a month, you know. Because, you know, that, that, that's it. So rents go up. Now, you're seeing that played out across the board. Um, you know, we I was listening to a podcast recently by Mark Homer from Progressive Property, and he was saying that that uh, rental income has gone up substantially right across the board. Now, how does it go up substantially when you're only allowed to put it up by 5% a year? Well, when somebody leaves, you can set a new rental. Um, and that's what's happening. People who are staying long term are generally getting that sort of three, four, five percent or have been getting that three, four, five percent increase every year by professional landlords. Um, but quite a lot of people, again, that I know that have the one or two, the sort of accidental landlords, they don't put the prices up. And then all of a sudden they get hit with these interest rate rises and suddenly they think, oh, hang on a minute. It's now costing me. I'm not making any money because I haven't put the rent up for years. Now I want to put the rent up, but I can't. I'm not allowed to. I can't put it up by more than five percent. And then in Scotland, there was a rent freeze. Patrick Harvey, the the Green member of uh, the Scottish Parliament who got hardly any votes, but now seems to be dictating policy. Um, that's another story. Uh, has brought in this rent freeze, uh, you know, which uh, you could you could I can see where where the thinking comes from and is how his heart was in it. 
But rent freezes and rent controls have never worked. They never worked in New York. They never worked um, in various other cities uh, around the world. And they're not working now. And the net result of that rent freeze is there's two proposals that I know of to build social housing, totaling several hundred million that have been now put on hold. You know, the first one I heard of was Lord Lord Hockey, um, the guy that is, I think he's a business partner with Tom Hunter. Hunter and Hockey do a podcast. He was saying that as a result of the rent freeze, they are not going ahead with their social housing building program. And that was 250 million pounds that they were he was going to be putting into it, his own money that he was going to be doing. And they've just put it on hold. There's just no point. So a lot of these uh, government initiatives have that, you know, they, they call them the unintended consequences, but they, I think sometimes they seem to be intended. I don't know. But we have a shortage of housing in this country already, which is driving rates up. And now you've got this situation where if you take that one guy that I was talking to with 15 properties, he's got an £18,000 extra tax bill, and he's upped his rents across the board by 100 quid, um, you know, to cope for it. Uh, whereas before, he, you know, it wasn't a factor, but now it is. Um, now, he was also asking the question, well, it's not is buy to let worth it anymore. I'm thinking of selling because I'm not making that much money. Well, the reality is he was making good money, but not compared to what he used to make. And that's that that's a, a very distinctive thing to point out. You know, if he used to make substantial profits and now he's only making, you know, smaller profits, that's still that's no reason to get out. And as you said, if he wants to sell those properties, he's going to be hit with a capital gains tax bill. My advice uh, that he was actually asking for um, was that he ought to keep the portfolio, have it managed by someone else, buy, get buy-to-let mortgages on it so that he can get some money released so he can go off and do other things. So, you know, he wanted to go off and do other things, but if he sells the property, he's going to get this capital gains tax bill. And again, it was one of these spreadsheet things. We said, well, look, that's what I'm suggesting, but I suggest you get a spreadsheet out and you work it out. Oh, I'm not really that into spreadsheets. I said, well, you must be because you knew you were paying 18,000 in tax. Oh, well, that's only because my accountant was telling me. I went, well, get your accountant to do it then. I'm not paying him. I pay him enough. You know, that's the sort of thing you're getting. But I said, look, it doesn't need to be a massive spreadsheet. It can be, you know, a, a, as we would say, a fag packet calculation, back of a cigarette packet, where you can just quickly work some things out. Now, you know what the capital gains tax uh, rates are, and in fact, they're going up. So what you're going to pay today in capital gains tax is nothing compared to what you're going to pay in a few months' time. And uh, you, you're not going to be able to sell them in that length of time, so you're going to get hit with a higher rate of capital gains. It's not worth it. It's actually better off keeping them um, but that's the thinking that 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 many people that have buy to lets are are experiencing at the moment. That they're thinking, well, I may as well sell. Um, and perhaps the government's idea was, well, these people will sell. There'll be more houses, you know, in the market uh, for people to buy, and that's a good thing. Well, no, we need a, a healthy rental sector for the very reasons that you've said. You know, work is transient. A lot of people moving around. There's also a lot of people that, that don't want to move around. They want to stay in, in one place. But there's also people that don't want to buy. There's people that can't buy. They don't have the money to pay the, the deposit. Um, when you and I were younger, Nigel, you know, you could you could get uh, three times your income was the was the price of the property. Now it's eight or nine times your income for the price of the property. Um, and, and for many people, it's, it's become generation rent and it's just out of reach. But And I know 
of many examples of people who are paying more in rent than they would ever pay in a mortgage if they could get a mortgage. And that doesn't seem right. You know, natural law dictates it doesn't seem right. Um, yet that's what we're faced with. And that's because over the years, we've had interfering governments that don't really know what's going on. They're tweaking. They can't help themselves uh, of all colours. They can't help themselves but tweak and prod and get involved and all the rest of it. You know, just get out of the way. Let business get on with it and stop, you know, interfering. Uh, and you'll find that market forces will generally settle everything down. That's how the market works. But when the government keeps putting its oar in, and messing around with things, um, it creates uh, it creates opportunities for many, but it also creates um, circumstances for many that are not acceptable. So, uh, buy to yeah, let. It, if it, you're listening to this and you've got a buy to let, don't be selling them. Um, you know, manage them properly. If you're interested in buying buy to lets, is it a good thing? Well, yes. Again, as Nigel said, look at the time span. Don't be looking at um, you know the next six months or the next year. You've got to take a ten year, twelve year. 15, 20 year view on these things. And then historically, if you look back, what have we had? We had that risk, you know, the, the financial crash, 2007, 2008. I know people that have had properties through that period. I know people that have had properties since the 1990 uh, recession. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're doing fine. Absolutely fine. The property's still there. It's not going to go away. Different people come and go. But uh, if it's managed properly, like anything, then it can be successful. Yeah, I mean, it it does feel, I I do feel for for tenants, and we, we we've done our our damnedest to whenever people have struggled, um, come up with arrangements and and ways to help them out. We've even offered employment and got people um, employment to help with things, um, and there's lots of things, and and you you do feel like uh, landlords are being whacked and tenants are being whacked because um they give the tenant the right to do something and tenants abuse it which means that landlords don't get paid so landlords factor it into other rents and they add a bit on to make sure that if they get stung again uh they're not going to lose out financially because uh, i had a conversation with a tenant he said oh yeah i haven't you know i haven't got a job and uh, i've just lost it I've, I've injured my hand and i i'm waiting to get back into it and said well look, we can give you something temporary in, in the meantime. And it was like, oh, right. And you could see him suddenly feel a, a little bit more optimistic. And and you kind of talk to people about it and, and sort of say, yeah, um, this is what we want to do. We want to try and help you. Um, and you, you sort of, you think, oh, everyone's portrayed to be terrible. Tenants are portrayed to be terrible. Landlords are portrayed to be terrible. But what happens is they make all these rules then to try and do it. And they give people rights or expectations. And then you get a different lot of people who abuse them. And as you say, unintended consequences, what it was meant to do was stop people being horrible. So stop tenants being horrible and ruining places and stop landlords being horrible and, and doing things that they shouldn't. All it's actually done is give sort of additional costs or burdens to both sides. And the tenant who said, oh, yeah, it's making me feel ill and said you know not being able to pay and i said well that's definitely one thing we don't want because it's making us feel ill because our mortgage is paid payable and we don't have the money to pay it and it's making us feel ill so you know the, there's always the feeling that it's only the tenant who suffers well it's not because most landlords are not 
uber wealthy. They are trying to do something. They are putting things at risk. And there should be a reward. If you are willing to risk something, there should be a reward. And what they're saying is, no, 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 we want you to risk everything and have no reward. And that just, that's inequitable. And these things tend to go wrong. But if we look at things, um, deposit protection schemes, um, you know, the structures of ASTs, the requirements to do it, the notifications that, you know, you have to give, the amount of time it takes, uh, the fact that um, you couldn't imagine going up to Tesco's and getting your, your food and saying, oh, thanks for all the food. Um, yeah, yeah, of course I'll pay you. Um, and not doing it and not doing it for a year and enjoying that food and bareface going up and doing it. That's what some tenants do to landlords. They refuse to pay. And the process to remove someone who refuses to pay is incredibly, incredibly complex and time consuming. And you just think, well, that's ridiculous. But the, here's the unintended consequence. Yes, it gives some protection to a, a tenant who might be struggling, but they then take the P, um, some of them, and they'll play the system. And then the landlord goes, right, OK, well, I'm not going to if that's going to happen, you know, 20 percent, 10 percent. 5% of the time, I'm going to add it to the rent. So the rent goes up a bit more. Oh, you've told me I've got to do all these things. The rent goes up a bit more. Oh, you're going to tax me more. The rent goes up a bit more. And then the tenant turns around and says, this is outrageous. I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, it's not us because we, we don't get any more for it. You know, if you're a landlord, you say, we don't actually net get a whole he hill of beans difference. We've just got a whole load more costs that have come in and have done it. Now, one of the biggest things uh, when you're talking about buy-to-lets is someone always says, oh, they trashed the property. Oh, that's terrible. Da-da-da-da-da. Yes, it can happen. It can happen. And we have had people who've been absolutely wonderful who've then obviously the moon has, the full moon has come out and they've turned into some sort of um, werewolf who's, who's off on one. Um, for example, uh, thoroughly nice chap, you know, everything was all right. And then he started acting a bit strangely. And then we started getting these electric faults. Uh, and then we started getting these faults on, um, the fire system that we had in there and we got people in and, and they said, well, I don't understand it. You know, we've got these earth fault loop, earth loop faults, uh, coming through. Why would you get that? You wouldn't get that. That's really weird. Um, uh, yeah, the fire system, I can't seem to discover this particular detector, you know, something's going wrong. And then we lift, um, you know, we find that the carpets have been pulled back and we lift a couple of floorboards and we find that, um, oh, sections of the wiring have disappeared. And then uh, we knocked on the door of the chap who we haven't seen for ages. He opens the door and there's a bundle of wire on the floor that he's been busy snipping live cable from the building bundling it up, ready to go sell it. Now, you tell me, is that normal normal behavior? No, not really. Um, <laughs> but you've got to factor these things in. And when people say, I can't be bothered managing people, I can't be bothered looking after them. Oh, my goodness. Tenants are a nightmare. That's the exception. The vast majority of really great people. And what you provide, they love it. Um, HMOs, all-inclusive. So we've had to bear the energy cost increase it's an absolute godsend to people because their pay is going up and their their costs are not um when it comes to rent and energy mm -hmm. you know hmos are a fantastic option for people 
um, in certain circumstances. So, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I do think, as you say, people have come in with the best of intentions, but effectively that's been interference. Those best of intentions, all they've done is increase the costs um, and nobody necessarily is particularly better off. So mm -hmm. there you go. Let me climb down. Let me climb down from the soapbox. Get down, get down, yeah. Well, I mean, every landlord I've spoken to has got horror stories, but also at the end of the day, their their you know their property portfolio has increased in price, and they're getting cash flow from it, and so on. So there are advantages and there are disadvantages. Let me just very quickly sort of go over them. So the advantages you can earn rental income, um, and sometimes you can get a decent yield. It depends what you buy it for, what the rent is, and where about in the country you buy it. So uh, you can get decent rental yields depending where you buy in the country. You can also generate capital growth because your money grows and your property value increases. Now, I've heard people say that, you know, that, that, that a mortgage is very strange because you pay for three houses, but you only get to keep one. Well, when you do buy to let, you buy one house, but you might actually generate enough money to buy three. So it's a complete opposite to having uh, your, you know, your own mortgage. Um, and you talk about, you know, losses, people leaving. You can actually take out insurance against that to cover against uh, loss of rental income, damage, and also legal costs, that sort of thing. Um, so, uh, I mean, I had that. And that's another cost that you'll obviously add in um, to, to the rent because it's got it. The rental has got to be market rent, but it's also got to be um, suitable to cover your costs. And that's what you've got to work out. You know, you have to do this spreadsheet thing. So that's some of the advantages. The disadvantages, well, as we've spoken since 2017 and, and the changes in the law, your tax bill will be higher than it once was, and that's eating into profit. But like, uh, you know, my guy, he just added it to the rental. Um, if you don't have the right insurance in place you, uh, and and somebody leaves and you don't generate an income, if the property is unoccupied. Uh, if property prices fall, your capital will reduced. If you have an interest-only mortgage, you'll need to make up for any shortfall. You also have to factor in the stamp duty, insurance, wear and tear. Um, and it's, you know, being a landlord's responsibility because you've got to keep up to date with all the changes in legislation. Latest one being, well, not latest, but the one that's coming to the fore now is energy performance certificates, EPCs. You have to have uh, a, a certain band. So A, B, and C are the top three bands. Uh, D and E, if you have a property of a band E, you cannot rent it out. And they're changing that. It's gradually creeping up. So from 2025 and 2028 are the two significant dates for energy performance certificates. You're going to have to upgrade the property. Now, you, there are uh, exemptions. So if it's going to cost a huge amount of money to upgrade, then you can get an exemption. And there are companies around uh, right now that are doing upgrades. And there, are, there is government money available if you know where to look. Um, and again, that's one of these things, hit and miss. I've heard people say, oh, it's a nightmare to try and wade through because you can't get, it's got to be a proved contractor, this, that, and the next thing. And there's others I've spoken to that have done it and said, no, it was, it was absolutely no problem. I found a contractor, did all the work, hardly cost me anything um, and was minimal disruption. So it's like anything in life, you know, like anything at all. There's good and bad in everything. There's good restaurants and bad restaurants, good plumbers and bad plumbers. With energy performance certificates, with landlords, with tenants, it's like anything else. It's all humans. Um, I think it was Mars Attacks when that film, when, when he said, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> why can't we all just get along, Nigel? <laughs> and it would be, the world would be so much better. Yeah, wouldn't it just? Uh, yeah, so folks, th that's kind of a, a view on buy-to-lets. I 
for me, you got to look long term. And if you are doing that, then at the moment you might go, oh, interest rates aren't great. I shouldn't raise money for a property. Well, I guarantee even even the property crash following the 2008 credit crunch and all the rest of it last year, the last two places in the country, the value of the houses had gone beyond what it was pre credit crunch. So everywhere in the country is now going to cost you more than it did before the credit crunch. So if you think, right, okay, that's a 10, 15 year time scenario. Look at it on that basis in 10, 15 years, time's going to pass. In 10, 15 years, is that property going to be worth more? You can bet your bottom dollar. And if it's not, well, then the zombie apocalypse is upon us and we've got different things to worry about probably. So I would say, you know, go for it, folks. Look at the deals at the moment. It might be that that sellers are having to, as you say, Ray, reduce their, their expectations a little bit. Maybe you can step in if you've got the funds available. Maybe you can step in right now. There is a very strong demand for renting still. And, you know, it's uh, it's something that you should definitely investigate. But do not expect to sit back and rake in thousands a month from one buy to let and, and think I don't have to work again. You're taking on a big responsibility. You're taking on effectively a job. Um, whether you let someone else manage it, you still have to oversee it. Whether you're doing it yourself, you've got to get involved. It's going to take your time, money, and effort. But I think long-term, the rewards are still there. They are still there, folks. So there you go. That's my and uh, that's my opinion on, on buy to lights. I still think, you know, they're, they're your bread and butter. They're your boring, bog-standard, long-term, steady investments. Indeed. Okay, that's it. Bye to let's. Hope that was useful. Um, I've been Ray McLennan. I'm still the other one. <laughs> Nigel T. Best. There you go. Just in case you'd forgotten. Uh, folks, we would love to get our reviews up on the show. Uh, if you want to go to the Apple podcast um, player one and write a review, that seems to be the the one that we see the reviews most of. Uh, that would be great. Really appreciate it. And if you want to share it with someone, please do. If you're not too sure about how you do an Apple podcast review, uh, go to the HR, um, htrmoney.co.uk website and you'll find a little guide there as to how you can do one. All right. That's it. Cheers then. Bye. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?